You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Despite the Herculean effort put forth by Taylor Heineke. The Washington football team fell to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-23 to not only end the season for the football team, but end the season for the NFC East. George, how you feeling after the tough loss, buddy? George? George? Oh, wait. That's right. George is not here today. He's actually busy working his other job selling some restaurant equipment, and he is certainly missed. But I couldn't go without recapping Super Wild Card Weekend for y'all. So unfortunately, without GVR, he is our audio producer. We don't have the fancy Squadcast equipment or our microphones. Hopefully, I can get him to throw the intro on this for us. But it's just me and my iPhone. But I wanted to talk about Super Wild Card Weekend and get us ready for the divisional playoffs. But first... Since this is the NFC East Feast, I want to talk about what's going on in the division in the offseason already. Now, I verbally accosted um, former Eagles coach Doug Peterson last week for his actions in Week 17, and apparently I wasn't the only one who was unhappy with Doug. I don't think this has completely uh, everything to do with the benching of Jalen Hurts in Week 17. I think this has to do with more of the Eagles as a whole. But, as I'm sure most of you know, Doug Peterson was relieved of his duties and is no longer the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Now, John Runyon, who used to play for Philadelphia, and he's now a local uh, Philly radio guy, he came out this week and dropped some bombshells. Um, Apparently, uh, they refer uh, to Howie Roseman as a mathlete, meaning he's a big analytics guy. And uh, he does not let uh, the coaches... Uh, specifically Doug Peterson, have any control when it comes to personnel. So there was a lot of back and forth going uh, between the coaching staff and the front office. Uh, So because of the disgruntled organization, the state that they were, uh, Coach Peterson was fired after a meeting this week with owner Jeffrey Lurie. It was very weird because Jeffrey Lurie came on and said that after he fired him, his quote was, Doug Peterson didn't deserve to get fired. Very strange what's going on in Philadelphia. Especially like when now when I think back, is the Philadelphia Eagles coaching job a, a desired position at this point? Because you had Andy Reid. We all know what Andy Reid's doing with Patrick Mahomes now in Kansas City. We had Andy Reid went to five NFC championship games in a Super Bowl. He was fired. Chip Kelly had a winning record, and after one bad season, he was fired. Doug Peterson took this team to the Super Bowl and won them their only Lombardi trophy in the history of the franchise, and he was fired. So I don't know. I think Howie Roseman needs to realize, I know he's a big analytics guy, but Howie, it's not all about the X's and the O's. Sometimes it's about the Jimmy and the Joes. So you need to understand your personnel, you need to understand your coaching staff, man. So I do not think what's going on in Philadelphia is good, but it doesn't really matter. 
Point being, they are searching for a head coach. Uh, they actually requested permission to interview Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore today. I thought that was very interesting. Kellen Moore just signed a new three-year de- three-year deal to stay in Dallas. So I'd be interested if Philadelphia offers him that job. Another rumor that's floating around about the Philadelphia coaching job is uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, Oklahoma's head coach. Uh, he was brought up in rumors about the Cowboys before we hired McCarthy last season. And I think that'd be an interesting fit, especially considering they have Jalen Hurts on that roster. And we all know the success that Jalen had uh, playing in Lincoln's uh, system while he played for Coach Riley at Oklahoma. So uh, we will continue to monitor what's happening in Philly, but they have a head coaching vacancy, as do a lot of teams around the NFL right now. The Cowboys had a defensive coordinator vacancy. Um, Now, much to the pleasure of me and several Cowboys fans I can speak for, Mike Nolan was fired. Glad Mike Nolan's out of the building. His defense simply did not work. We were a historic all-time bad defense this year. So I'm happy to announce that Dan Quinn, former uh, Atlanta Falcons head coach, is now the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm very, very happy about this move. The last time that Dan Quinn was a defensive coordinator was 2012-2013 for the Seattle Seahawks. While he was their defensive coordinator, not only were the Seahawks winning Super Bowls, but they had not only the number one scoring defense, but the number one defense as far as um, yards allowed. Um, LOB is, is something, a mantra they, they had in Seattle at that time, the Legion of Boom. You guys know the characters, uh, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas. I don't exactly think he's going to reassemble the LOB in Dallas, but I do think that bringing Dan Quinn on, along with um, a defensive backs coach that we just brought in, he'll also be um, the passing game coordinator on the defensive side of the ball, Joe Witt Jr. is going to come with Dan Quinn. He was the secondary coach in Atlanta last year. So he's got some continuity with Dan Quinn, and he also was on the defensive staff for a few years under Coach Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. So I like that continuity that we've got together, and I think going forward our defense will be much better, but it all starts with um, drafting and obviously free agency, but I think we have the right guy with the headset on now. So welcome to Dallas, Dan Quinn, and although Dan Quinn was fired this year, I don't think he was a failure as a head coach. And I like having a former head coach um, as an assistant. He understands what Coach McCarthy is going to be going through. And he took Atlanta to a Super Bowl. Although they choked, he did take Atlanta to a Super Bowl. So happy to have Dan Quinn in Dallas. Uh, Another NFL storyline I want to touch on before I dive into the playoffs is Urban Meyer is apparently finalizing a contract to become the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. Very intriguing there because, of course, Jacksonville is one of the biggest dumpster fires in the NFL. But just like that... They go from having Doug Marone as a coach and uh, Gardner Minshew and Mike Glennon at quarterback. All of a sudden, they bring in Urban Meyer, and they're about two months away from drafting Trevor Lawrence number one overall. So with Trevor Lawrence at that number one pick and Urban Meyer, who has succeeded everywhere he's went, takes over a struggling Utah program, turns that into a a double-digit win program immediately, goes to the University of Florida, Uh, They were struggling with, uh, I believe their coach before him was Ron Zook, total clown. Um, He takes over the the University of Florida job. Florida starts winning national championships. Shout out to Tim Tebow. Then he goes to Ohio State. Boom. Um, Obviously, uh, my favorite running back, Ezekiel Elliott, was uh, winning national championships with Urban there as well. 
So Urban has a track record of success, and although he's never coached in the NFL, I don't think it's going to be too long before he turns around that Jacksonville franchise. Not sure if they'll be winning Super Bowls, but I do believe they'll be a competitive playoff football team very shortly. But that's enough with the offseason storylines. I know me and GVR hope to drop a couple podcasts here throughout the offseason. Um, we'll bring on uh, our buddy Chris Hamilton, CT. Um, he, he studies the combine and the draft more than anybody I know. So as we get closer to free agent frenzy and NFL draft, we'll, we'll drop some offseason stuff for you guys. But I want to pick up versus the Bucks versus the Washington football team. Although George isn't here, um, I want to speak highly about Washington. The fact that Taylor Heineke, I'll do that one more time this season for you guys, went toe-to-toe with the GOAT Tom Brady, very impressive, man. And I hope that Taylor Heineke re-signs with this team, and even if they do draft a quarterback in the first round, I hope he's given a chance to compete for that starting job. Because, man, prime time going up against the Bucks. kid threw for 300 yards. He even led the team in rushing with 46 yards. He's got wheels. His rushing touchdown he had where he dove in the end zone, he went Superman on him. But Taylor Heineke, very impressive. Um, overall, Washington football team, only they, were, they lost by one score. They actually covered. Um, they, the spread was eight, so they pushed. But they just could not run the football. Um, Antonio Gibson uh, was held to 30 yards rushing. But Taylor was slinging the ball. Cam Sims had 100 yards. Scary Terry, 75 yards. Logan Thomas, you guys know I love, had another 74 yards. But it was no match for the GOAT, man. The Bucks had over 500 yards of total offense. George and I talked about, along with uh, Jay Luds last week, the past few weeks leading into the postseason, how potent the Bucks' offense looked, and they really um, have come together at the right time. They're as hot as any team in the league. Tom Brady threw for 381 yards, uh, turnover-free football, threw for two touchdowns. One of them was to Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown looks like he's finally clicking on all cylinders in this offense, so watch out, guys. Uh, Rojo, Ronald Jones was out in this game with, I believe, uh, it was a lower body injury. I want to say it was a quad. But regardless, Leonard Fournette. I mean, Leonard Fournette was quiet all season, but I think just this performance in Wild Card Weekend alone was enough to validate the Bucks bringing him in. He ran the ball for 93 yards, and he also caught the ball very well out of the backfield for 40 yards. Um, he got in the end zone. So Leonard Fournette balled out. Hopefully the Bucks get Rojo back this week. But this was a complete team effort, man. Mike Evans was coming off of a scary knee injury. He went for almost 120 yards. Cameron Brait, 80. Chris Godwin, 80. I already talked about Holly, um, excuse me, Antonio Brown. Uh, th- these boys were balling, man. I- I'm very, very excited to see, to see the Bucks as they progress th- throughout this postseason. And their defense was solid. We already talked about Heineke had a pretty good game. But the Bucks do get Devin White back this week. That'll be a huge help pairing him with Levante David. But shout-out to the Washington football team, man. I thought they represented the NFC East very well in this game. I think if it would have been the Cowboys or the Eagles, they would have got completely shit-stomped. So shout-out to Washington. And I think under Coach Rivera, they've got this team going in the right direction. And I think they're—I'm going to say this. I think they're the favorite— heading into next season but that's a long long way away we got the draft we got free agency and of course my boy Dak Prescott's coming back and he'll have something to say about who the favorite is in this division but the Bucks move on to face the New Orleans Saints before we hop to uh, the divisional round though I want to wrap up the rest of wildcard weekend I think we'll stick in the NFC for now and a game that kind of surprised me was the Rams defeating the Seattle Seahawks 30-20. to uh, John Walford originally started this game for the Los Angeles Rams. 
because as you guys might know, a couple weeks ago, Jared Goff threw a pass and his right thumb ended up on the top of somebody's helmet and it broke that right thumb as well as dislocating it. And that was only 12 days before this game was played. So Goff is, Goff is a baller, man. He's a warrior. He came back and he was active for this game, but as the backup. But within, I think it was the first quarter, within the first seven, eight minutes of this game, uh, the safety for Seattle, Jamal Adams, who's an absolute monster, came up and he banged Walford, gave him a stinger, threw Walford in the back of a uh, hospital truck very quickly, an ambulance, I guess you might call it. <laughs> and uh, he, was on, he was on the way to Seattle Memorial. So Jared Goff had to step in with 12 days off of a broken, dislocated thumb. And he certainly didn't set the world on fire, only threw the ball 19 times. But he managed the game, handed the ball off to Cam Akers, who was an absolute stud out of Florida State. I was really strange after they drafted him. The first half of the season, I barely even saw Cam on the field. They were going with a two-headed monster of Malcolm Brown and Henderson at running back. But I think Sean McVay knew what he was doing, folks. And Cam Akers is absolutely on fire right now. He ended the season with, I think, three or four straight games of the 100 yards, kept that momentum going to the playoffs, carried the ball 28 times for 131 yards in the touchdown. So that Rams running game and that tough defense. Um, Aaron Donald actually got hurt in this game. I believe it was a rib. I think he'll be back this week for the game against uh, Green Bay. But even without Aaron Donald, man, Jalen Ramsey, bar none, best cornerback in football. He got in DK Metcalf's head within the first 15, 20 minutes game. DK Metcalf's cursing up and down the sideline, throwing his helmet, looking like a total diva, Odell Beckham style. But Jalen got in his head, man. Even though DK ended up actually having a pretty decent game, I know he actually had, I believe there are only two touchdowns. So DK still balled, respect to DK Metcalf. But that Rams defense is for real, and that's why they won this game. Not because of Goff, because, in spite of Goff. The, the running game and the defense, Russell Wilson only completed 11 passes. And I love Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in this game. But that just goes to show you the ferocious defense that the Rams are playing with right now. Chris Carson was held in check. And I was surprised. I picked Seattle to win this game. I mean, it's a home game. You got a much better quarterback. But I slept on the Rams, and I will not anymore. So they will move on to play Green Bay. And I'm sure Goff's thumb still isn't right, but they're going to have to, in order to pull off that upset, have the same recipe, run the ball and play defense. But that's going to be a tall task going into Lambeau, going up against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The other NFC game went kind of, I'm sure, how we all thought. That was the New Orleans Saints defeating the Chicago Bears 21-9. Saints didn't play their best game, um, but their defense certainly st showed up. Uh, this is one of the best defenses in the league. Demario Davis is all over the field. Cam Jordan and those boys on the defensive line constantly putting uh, Mitchell Trubisky under duress. And this will probably be the last time we see Mitchell Trubisky in a Chicago Bears uniform, I feel. He actually had uh, the best stretch of his career the last three or four weeks of the season. Uh, Mitchell's playing pretty good football. Threw for 200 yards. Didn't have any turnovers in this game. Just wasn't enough, though, against Drew Brees and the Saints. Brees, um, very methodical game. 265 yards passing. Alvin Kamara's a monster, had over 100 total yards in the touchdown. And the Saints, they got on the board a few times, and that's all they really needed because of their defense. It was good to see Michael Thomas get back out there. I believe that Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas, there was a stat I saw during the game. There was less than 20 snaps. The three of them were all on the field at the same time during the regular season. So the fact that New Orleans is more healthy right now than they've been the whole season, very scary for their opponents going forward. So we wish Mitchell Trubisky the best, and his next stop probably won't be in Chicago, though. 
but but the Bears' whole offense, not just Mitch, they were held in check. Uh, David Montgomery, who has had a monster year, only had 30 yards rushing. And the Saints dominated this game. The Bears' score came at the very um, end of the game, so this game really should have been 21-3. to Jimmy Graham caught a touchdown as time expired. But this was a dominant performance by the Saints, and they are about to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the third time this season. And I cannot wait for that game Sunday at 640. I know all of you Bucks fans cannot wait either. But before we get into the divisional round, let's hop over to the AFC Super Wild Card games. The first game was the Buffalo Bills defeating the Indianapolis Colts 27-24. This is a very good game. But this game was all about two words for me, guys, and that is MVP candidate Josh Allen. Josh Allen is playing at such an elite level right now, threw for 324 yards and two touchdowns, ran for another 50 yards. Stefan Diggs, I'm just going to say it, the greatest free agent signing ever, maybe. Um, actually, no, no, I, th- I want to say maybe Minnesota actually traded him. But regardless, the greatest offseason acquisition ever. The guy led the, uh, Stefan Diggs led the NFL in receptions and yards. Picked up right where he left off in the regular season. Went for 130 yards and a touchdown. Good luck anybody in the league guarding Stephon Diggs right now. But as I said, this game's all about Josh Allen. I believe the Indianapolis Colts had a better running game. They had a better offensive line. They were playing better defense. They won in every phase of this game. But no offense to old man Phil Rivers, they didn't have Josh Allen. And Josh Allen just playing at the level he is right now, that's the reason he willed the Bills to victory. And Buffalo won their first playoff game, I believe, since they were losing Super Bowls in the 90s to the NFC East. So shout out, because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, and they are moving on to play the Ravens. And speaking of the Ravens, they played our friend CT's Tennessee Titans. Sorry about this sizzle, but you guys could not handle Lamar Jackson. But I'm proud of Lamar, man. There was two things that people were saying about Lamar Jackson. If you get ahead on him, he cannot play from behind, and he's never won a playoff game. Even though the guy's only 24 years old, it's only his third year in the league, people were already getting on his back talking about he can't win big playoff games. Well, I'm happy that he silenced the critics. Didn't do it with his arm so much. 117 for 24, pretty efficient, 179 yards. But he did throw an ugly interception to Malcolm Butler in this game. Side note on that, I saw this was Malcolm Butler's first postseason interception since, anybody? Since he picked off Tom Brady, excuse me, since he picked off Russell Wilson as Tom Brady's teammate playing for the Patriots, winning them the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. But despite that interception Lamar threw, his legs did all of the work, guys. I don't know if you saw the touchdown run that he had. Uh, Head coach John Harbaugh quoted, that was the greatest run by a quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Now, I would argue that Michael Vick's run against the Vikings in overtime where he caused the two um, defenders to collide may have been a little better. But considering the stage and the playoffs and that they were down 10 to nothing at that point, huge play by Lamar. Went 16 carries for 136 yards. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards chipped in as they always do with that 300 monster. And this was a very competitive game. The Tennessee Titans have nothing to be ashamed of. They're a tough football team, but they don't have a quarterback that runs a 4-3. And that's why the Ravens won this game. And I think the Ravens, along with the Bucks and the NFC, are the two hottest teams right now. And it's no surprise that they won their wild card matchups. And Baltimore will, as I said, play Josh Allen and the Bills. And I think my favorite uh, division round matchup. 
Another AFC game that really surprised me was the Cleveland Browns playing their first postseason game in, I don't know, 20 years. Strolled into Pittsburgh. They don't have their head coach. They don't have four other of their coaching staff. They don't have one of their best offensive linemen, Betonio, I believe his name is. They don't have Denzel Ward, their top corner. I was like, oh, this is a disaster for Cleveland. I feel bad for them. They haven't won in Pittsburgh in the past 17 games. I believe they were 0-17 going into this. I turn on this game, and before you know it, Cleveland's up 28 to nothing in the first quarter. Baker Mayfield's barely touched the football, and they're already running away with this thing. It started with Marquise Pouncey snapping it over Big Ben's head. That's, that started the parade, and Cleveland did not hold back, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him, man. I'm sorry, Deli. I know this probably broke your heart. But Baker Mayfield, very efficient. Um, 21 for 34, 263, three touchdowns. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the best one-two punch in the league. Um, Hunt uh, ran for 48 yards. Uh, Chubb ran for 76 and caught the ball for another 69 and had a long touchdown in the fourth quarter that actually sealed this game. But Cleveland, all three phases, special teams, defense, and obviously that offense. Um, and their special teams coach was the interim in this game. So shout out to him for showing up with Kevin Stefanski due to the COVID-19 virus, um, not being able to coach. But they stepped up without their coach, went into Pittsburgh, and completely dominated their rival. Big Ben had a lot of garbage time touchdowns in this one. So the final score was 48-37. to that is not indicative of how this game went at all. Cleveland completely dominated, shocked me, shocked the football world. And now that they have a chance to go against the greatest football player, I believe, playing right now in Patrick Mahomes next week as they play the Kansas City Chiefs. And that will do it. That wraps up the wild card weekend. And man, what a super wild card weekend it was. I thought it was awesome the way the NFL set it up. A triple header on Saturday and a triple header on Sunday. That was a lot of fun. And I think what will be even more fun are these divisional playoff games, guys. And let's, let's start right where, we, right where we left off. Cleveland versus Kansas City. Excuse me as I get a little water here. It's tough doing this by myself, man. GVR, I miss you, buddy. Hope you're, doing, hope you're selling the shit out of some restaurant equipment right now, my friend. And, and this game... I do not think Cleveland's momentum is going to continue. Although they are going to get um, their offensive line healthy, they're going to get Denzel Ward back. And a, the, the biggest addition they're going to get, who I believe is the coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski, back in this game. I don't think it matters. Uh, Kansas City, we, we've, they've shown us before. Although they're not playing lights out right now, they're certainly not playing their best football going into the playoffs, they can turn it on like that. They were down 24 nothing to Houston last year. 24 nothing, guys. And they blew them out by the end of the game. It's ridiculous. Patrick Mahomes is a cheat code. Uh, speaking of cheat codes, you've got Cheetah, Tyreek Hill, probably the fastest player in football right now. Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I believe, will be back in this game. They're running back. They, they do have Le'Veon Bell. The offense is just ridiculous. And they're stacked on defense, too. I think um, Honey Badger Tyron Matthew was first-team All-Pro. So those guys on defense can ball as well. Now, I want, I want to, I'm going to talk lines on this, too. We're not shooting with Ludstib. We are going to shoot with skills. My one pick last week, I pushed with the Washington football team plus eight. But we're making money this week, folks. And I like the Browns plus ten. I don't understand why Vegas set the line this high. I don't think the Chiefs have covered the spread in, like, a good two months. Although they are winning football, and I, I do believe they will win this football game. I think Cleveland's playing with a lot of confidence. And I'll go with the Chiefs to win this one 
31 to 23. You know, a comfortable win, but I think the 10 points is too much. So Cleveland, I'm giving you some respect, but you're going to Arrowhead, man. And I do not think the Browns are ready for that yet. So I got the Chiefs moving on to the AFC Championship in this one. The other AFC Divisional matchup will be, as I said before, my favorite one. Two of the best young quarterbacks in the league, Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen. Now, Lamar was last year's league MVP. I don't believe Josh will win this year. It'll probably be Aaron Rodgers, who we'll talk about very soon. But Josh is going to be in the, in the top two or three for voting as he deserves it. And I'm going to go with an upset this in this one, folks. I love Buffalo. But I think the way Lamar is playing and the head, I, I love um, John Harbaugh with the experience, although Sean, McDerm- Sean McDermott is a great coach for Buffalo. I think John Harbaugh's playoff experience, he actually just passed um, Tom Landry, shout out to the Cowboys, for the most road playoff wins in the history of the NFL with their upset of the Titans last week. So I think that because they have Coach Harbaugh and the fastest player in the NFL, maybe, who plays quarterback, just so happened to be Lamar Jackson. I think Baltimore's going to pull off this upset. The Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I think Vegas has it right. you got to give them the nod to be the favorites because it is at home, and there will be about 6,500 members of the Bills Mafia in the stands. But I like the way that Baltimore's playing. I don't think them going on the road scares them very much. I, I see a high-scoring affair in this one. Obviously, I'm, um, I'm going to go Baltimore Ravens money line. So if, you, if you're a betting man, I would um, definitely go Ravens plus two-and-a-half. Or if you're feeling them like I am, just go all in and go Ravens ML. Uh, the running game, I think of Baltimore will be the key. I mean, it's always the key for them. Obviously, if you, if you get Lamar in a position where he has to throw to win the game, that's going to hurt them. But as I said before, J.K. Dobbins... Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson. I don't think Buffalo has the best run defense, and they, they, they will be exposed. On the other side of the ball, I do expect Buffalo to put up points. Uh, big loss for them. I believe Zach Moss, uh, their running back, is going to leave. Uh, excuse me, going to miss this game. I, I, don't, I don't know if he's their top running back. Uh, they kind of go two-headed monster with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, but Singletary is a small back, so they need Zach Moss's physicality, and they're going to miss him. Stephon Diggs, as I said, probably the best receiver in the league right now. He'll get his, probably have 100 yards. But Marcus Peters, who had the game-sealing interception last week against Ryan Tannehill and the Titans, he might be matched up with Diggs. And even if he's not, you got um, Marlon Humphrey on the other side. So the talented defensive backs of the excuse me, Baltimore Ravens are going to give Stephon Diggs all that he can handle. And I think the running game of Baltimore, and Baltimore's got a pretty good defense too. So I think they hold Josh Allen not in check, but I think they hold Josh under 30. Baltimore scores over just 30. I'll go Ravens to advance to the AFC Championship. I got Baltimore 30-28. to Close game in that one. But this is the NFC East feast, although we're not talking about any NFC East teams anymore. But let's talk about what we're most familiar with, and that is the National Football Conference. First game of the weekend is going to be Saturday night as the Los Angeles Rams, fresh off the upset of the Seahawks, will travel to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field to take on Aaron Rodgers, the most likely league MVP, and the Packers. I love the Rams' defense, but sorry, guys. You're going to Lambeau. It's going to be cold. Maybe it'll be snowing. Who knows? 
but you're going up against Rodgers on a, a, a healthy, rested, motivated Aaron Rodgers. I think this is the year, guys. I'm not going to go all the way and predict it quite yet, but I think this is the year that Rodgers most likely gets his second Super Bowl. It's set up for him. The NFC is a little down. Tom Brady's in his first year still with Tampa Bay. The Saints are hot and cold. I think that Rodgers gets it done this week. Uh, the, the matchup I'm looking forward to most is certainly, if not the best corner in the league, he's top two or three. And if not the best receiver in the league, he's top two or three. That's Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. I talked earlier about how Jalen Ramsey got into DK Metcalf's head. He's not going to get into Devontae Adams' head, even if he shuts him down. Devontae's a pro. He's not, he's not going to get emotional over Jalen's trash talking. And, man, if you guys uh, are students of the game, just watch uh, Devontae Adams' release off the line of scrimmage. It's literally a work of art. So I know Jalen's going to be trying to jamming him. But I did hear Greg Cosell uh, tell me today that Jalen Ramsey does not follow receivers across the field. So it is uh, very likely that the Packers will put Devontae Adams in motion and get him in a position where he's not one-on-one with Jalen Ramsey. And I think that is when Aaron Rodgers will strike, not only to Devontae Adams, but to their other weapons. you got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. you got Alan Lazard. you got the tight ends, uh, excuse me, Robert Tanyan. So Rodgers has a whole repertoire of weapons, so I expect him to be, them to be fully on display Saturday evening. Um, and they got some bad boys are running back, too. I love Aaron Jones. Um, I love Jamal Williams. And the rookie A.J. Dillon had a hell of a game. Um, and his, really his only playing time uh, when they dominated Tennessee Titans on a Sunday night football victory a few weeks back. So Green Bay is big time. I, I, I have a lot of respect for the Rams, so I think they'll keep this close. They're going to have to run the ball with Cam Akers and keep the ball out of Rodgers' hands. So if they do that, I can see a respectable game here. Uh, Green Bay is favored 6.5. I think that's tough. But I will swallow the six and a half and say the Packers will win this game. I got the Green Bay winning 27 to 19. So that sets up the Packers to go to the NFC Championship against the winner of the final and maybe most anticipated game of the weekend. And that is Tampa Tom, J. Ludd's boy, leading the Bucks into the house of horrors, I'll call it, for them. And that is the Mercedes-Benz Super Bowl, Super Dome, excuse me. <clears throat> you guys, I'm sure, watched both matchups this week, this year, and it was not pretty for the Bucs, man. The, the Saints dominated them twice, especially in the second matchup, which was a Sunday night football primetime matchup. I want to say the Bucs maybe set the record in that game for like the lowest attempts running the football. It was very, very strange game plan by Bruce Arians. But it doesn't matter. As I said earlier, that Saints defense, they're playing lights out right now. Those boys are hats on fire, and the Bucs are going to have to bring it this week. But I think they will. It is very difficult to defeat a team three times. They've already done it twice. The Bucs got all the film they need to, to fix their mistakes, and I think they come out and play a much better football game. I hope that Ronald Jones is active this game. If not, um, Leonard Fournette showed he's perfectly capable last week. So I think the Bucs need to run the football, play physical against these Saints now. And Mike Evans obviously had 100 yards last week. He's healthy. So those weapons are going to be on display. We got Mike Evans out there. We got Godwin. We got A.B., Cameron Brait at tight end. So I think that Tom has a chip on his shoulder, and I like my Tom Brady with a chip on his shoulder. So I think this is going to be a back-and-forth game, probably the best game of the weekend. 
Uh, they've got the Saints at a three-point favorite right now. And I think that's a good line. You've got to favor the Saints because they did win both games in the regular season. But I do not think they're winning this game, Bucks fans. I know you're going to be happy to hear it. I got the Bucks pulling off the upset in this one Sunday night. I'll go Tampa 27, Saints 23. The Bucks advanced to the NFC Championship. And that would set up, I've got uh, the Chiefs and the Ravens in the AFC Championship, and I've got the Bucks and the Packers in the NFC Championship. And that would be that would make for such a beautiful championship Sunday, um, a week from this Sunday coming up. And I hope I hope that's the way it sets up. But regardless, I know the four teams that that advance to Championship Sunday, they're going to be four amazing football teams. This has been such a great NFL season. Shout out to the league, man, for getting we. I mean, we were, we played literally. It's the first time in the history of the NFL we had games every night of the week. We had Tuesday night football, Wednesday night football. Friday night football. The NFL didn't cancel a single game. I mean, you saw the debacle that happened in Cleveland last week, taking out the coaching staff. We remember a couple months ago back in Denver when we had a wide receiver from the practice squad playing quarterback because the entire quarterback room was contact traced with the COVID. But shout out to Roger Goodell. Shout out to these 32 owners and all of these players, man for making this season happen. This has been one of my favorite football seasons in a long time, despite my Dallas Cowboys playing subpar. But this was fun, man. I'm glad that I got to do this by myself. I miss my partner, GVR. But, you know, since I am flying solo, you know, why don't I do a little freestyle here at the end? Get out of my comfort zone at NFC and remind all of you guys that actually, before you turn on that Chiefs vs. Browns game, on Saturday, I believe that game starts at 4.30 on Saturday. The UFC is actually having their first ever uh, cable television broadcast. Uh, this UFC fight on Saturday at 3 o'clock will be on ABC. And it's two of the best 145-pound fighters in the world. We got Calvin Cater going up against Max Holloway. Max is my guy, one of my favorite fighters. Max is a slight favorite, but Calvin is an up-and-comer in the division. Very, very excited to watch this. So uh, let's go, Max. And then in two weeks, Saturday the 23rd, we've got Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor in a rematch of a couple years ago. Conor knocked him out. And I heard Conor is very focused. So shout out to my boy Theo Vaughn, gang gang, and his Louisiana brother, Dustin Poirier. But I've got Conor getting back on track in this one and getting probably a second-round knockout. But everybody, thank you so much for listening the entire season. Hope you enjoyed my little solo adventure here. Um, Have fun watching the UFC. Have fun watching these divisional playoffs. I love you guys. NFC East first!